Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are Body Snatchers from 1993 and The Arrival from 1996. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. There's a, there's a bad guy that's like a snake-looking dude, and he's got the mask over his head with the, the snake on it. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, Sure. Did you recognize who that's supposed to be? Because I've been tearing my head apart, and there's like a thousand snake-themed guys, and I can't quite put my finger on who that's supposed to be. Uh, on Stargirl? Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. I know who very minor, very minor knowledge of C-list villains in DC. <laughs> I was going to say, and I don't, you're not a big Golden Age person either, right? No. I did enjoy uh, Jeff John's run on JSA and stuff, though. So Okay. So at least was, you know a few of the characters. Yeah. He was big into all that stuff. So, I mean, all that stuff was kind of in there. But So I'm pretty familiar with sort of the JSA lineup. Um, but, I mean, like deep dive history, I don't, I don't know stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, they're, you know, because they're bringing in all those side characters, and I know most of them. The one I'm trying to figure out is they've now made reference to Alan Scott's Lantern. I know, right? About five times, and I don't, I think in the history of the comics, I don't think anyone else has ever used it. So they would have to make up a new character. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering. All, all the other Green Lanterns are... Uh, Oh, uh, Green Lanterns. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering if I mean, are you? Did you watch like this week's episode? Uh, I I've not finished it. Okay. I got wonder- to the point. I got to the point where uh, Doctor Midnight just uh, recreated the accident. Yeah. I'm just curious if sort of the recruiting phase is put on hold, so maybe we don't even have to worry about it. But yeah, we'll see. It's nothing definitive. I'm stoked. I'm glad. I'm glad they stacked the Justice League at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, so they stacked it. They stacked it in that opening, and then whenever they did the picture, because they pulled that picture straight out of that comic book. I can't remember which one. Yeah. That, I think yeah. that's actually from the Johns run, isn't it? Uh, probably. But you know, it's got fucking everybody in it. Mm-hmm. So now they've just got an excuse to bring in a new version of anybody they want. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very surprised they went Johnny Thunder. That's that kind of fucking has blown my mind. 
because yeah. you want to talk you want to talk about a character that people don't know who the fuck that is if you don't read golden age comics you don't know who the fuck johnny thunder is yeah i don't really know who he is either so so his pink pin is actually it, think of it, it's like aladdin's lamp okay and it it contains a genie that he calls thunderbolt oh uh, okay yeah i do know who that is never mind yeah yeah, so he doesn't actually have powers. He can just unleash the genie on people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the show. It does get a little high school angsty at times, but it is. It's a, got some nice comic references in it, so I'm kind of just enjoying I, it on that. I was going to say the first episode is quite possibly like one of the most comic book accurate things I've ever seen mm-hmm. like because everything they didn't hold back on anything they were like nope this is this person this is what they do this is their outfit fuck you you know <laughs> that's pretty much what they did but it's not it's not spectacular writing no no we'll see if it even holds up for a whole season like if by the end i'm like yeah i'll keep going or just kind of over. I feel like they they either need to just keep throwing superheroes at the wall, or they need to focus more on the villains. Because I mean, like the uh, I think it's the third episode, right, where they kind of follow Icicle around a little bit. Mm-hmm. And man, that's he's real good. That actor gives a hell of a performance compared to some of the other stuff that people are doing. <laughs> yeah, you been watching Star Girl, Doug? Assuming it's your no. favorite show, no, no, no. I tried to get me up to date on it while you were restarting your computer, but yeah, didn't work out. Oh, well, that's a bummer. When did we get Swamp Thing? I don't know. And the thing I read originally made it sound like, oh, CW's like picking it up, so we're going to get new Swamp Thing. And I was like, sweet. But then I read some other thing where it's just like, well, they're just gonna they're just gonna air the the one on the DC app or whatever. Well, yeah, but they're not gonna do a new season. And I was like, wait, what? That's not how well, I understood I mean, the first one. That's what the, that's what they did with Star Girl too. I think what they said was yeah. they were going to run it, and if it's got the ratings, then they'll pick it up. Yeah. Yes. I, I have Swamp Thing. I just haven't watched it yet, so let's see. But yeah, then Doom Patrol season two is coming out, but it's going to be on HBO Max, which makes me believe DC the DC Universe app is going away. Well, they announced that that was done months ago. Did they officially announce it? I know there was speculation. But. Well, at least they announced that their like their efforts at turning it into a streaming service with TV shows is done. Like mm-hmm. that's just done. I can't imagine that DC tried to set up a whole new universe and failed. That doesn't seem like anything that would happen <laughs> again. Well, you know what the sad thing is too is uh, so far all the shows I've seen from it I like. Like all the DCU shows were pretty good yeah the shows are I good i think i just think the format is dead in the water so People like get, 
seems like they're continuing Doom Patrol on HBO Max, so I think it'll all just sort of fold over into that. Yeah. People get real salty about Titans, but they need to chill the fuck out. That's good. Oh, my God. I was over at my brother's house, and him and his son are big comic book people, and he just he never endingly bitches about stuff like that and he's like i don't get why they would make a fucking comic book show that i can't show to my kid and i was like well you can show it to him who gives it like who gives a fuck like it's a little bit of violence and a little bit of swear words it's not like you're he's in grade school the kid's in like fucking junior high yeah wait how old's the kid I'm trying to think of how old he is at this point. I know he's it's deceptive because he's so fucking tall. I think he's going into sixth grade. But he probably watched Titans by that age. Right. That's what I told him. I was I mean, like, I, mom, mom and dad were renting me fucking R-rated horror movies. Like, <laughs> he can watch the fucking superhero show that says fuck every once in a while. Who cares? I mean, I don't recommend it because I only made it halfway through the first episode of that show. So... See, I really liked it. So, well, and when uh, we, we binged through season one and season two, and like Amanda really liked it, she was like unprompted telling one of her friends, like, "Oh, you should get it because Titans is on there and it's really good." So, I think I prefer Doom Patrol. I think it's just Doom Patrol is just so fucking weird that it makes it fantastic. Kind of like Umbrella Academy. Yeah, there's a lot of that in it. Like I thought so they were kind of similar. You can't help but enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it's fucking Graham Morrison. So of course, it's just like, of course, this shit's weird and fucked up. Of course, there's an alternate universe up this goat's ass for some reason. And that's not me making stuff up. That literally happens in the first season. That sounds about right. Oh, good times. Speaking of things climbing up people's asses. <laughs> God. Uh, that's a great anyone, transition. If anyone had any uh, questions as to why we don't put Noah in charge of segues. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to change because that was pretty fantastic. Uh, Doug, why don't you just tell us about Body Snatchers? Okay, body snatchers. Um, it's uh, another relatively faithful retelling of the original invasion of the body snatchers story, but it's the '90s now, so everything is more extreme. And they're they're now they're on a military base, um, and of course there's like an attractive teenage girl added to the plot. Um, so this time it's a. EPA yeah. doctor who is yeah. well, they insinuate that she's in high school right they flat out say she's 17 and then they show her naked which is something okay. I was going to bring up later but All right. yeah, yeah. It's, it's not appropriate no um, in, her, in her defense she's 25 sure yeah. but it's we yeah, we'll do this before we even get through the plot description why not <laughs> you guys remember like when we did like an Argento episode though and I said, like, why do you keep pointing out that these girls are underage and then showing them naked? It's not like, why do that? All you're doing is making your audience feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Why is this movie doing it? Like, why did like? There's like lines of dialogue which I can't wait till I turn 18 like next month. Why can't you just say I'm 18? I don't have to listen to you. It's yeah. it, it would take 
the use of a small eraser and a pencil to change that dialogue to make it not creepy that she's naked on screen and they refuse <laughs> to do it they, it's like they're tr- trying to make you feel bad while you watch the movie well i mean technically doug she's not naked the alien that is transforming into her is naked You're well right. In that case, that pod is only a day old. That's even more. <laughs> well, it's actually not, though, because, like, you know, you can see a baby naked. It's not a big deal. There's nothing weird about that. Oh. So. Well, then we brought it all the way back around. Yeah, I guess <laughs> it is completely acceptable. I can get back to my plot description. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we fixed that. <laughs> done and done. Uh, anyways, yeah, so the this time the pods are landing at a military base. EPA doctor brings his family there for like an entire month because he's checking to see if they store their chemicals safely, which is a weird plot point. Um, this time the psychiatrist that approaches him to see if maybe the uh, the chemicals are, the, are what are causing some of the delusions that he's seeing from his patients. That's Forrest Whitaker who plays the psychiatrist. Ghost dog! Ghost dog! That's that was the other thing we just had to get out of the way. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, eventually, as you may imagine, teenage girl teams up with the uh, soldier who she's been making eyes at, and they uh, have to try to escape the pod people. And because it's the '90s, they don't just run away. They turn around their big helicopter and they blow the shit out of everything, which is not an effective plan at all. <laughs> Soldier who bought an underage girl a beer at a bar. Yeah. Yeah. This movie's full of problems. Yeah, that part's an issue. At least that part gets called out. Right? (laughs) It's true. Uh, I mean, can we we talk about the good parts and the bad parts? Because, so the good parts is... The special effects in this movie, other other than, like, some of the explosions and stuff, which are pretty subpar. Hmm. But, uh the pod people stuff and the, the tentacles and all that is really, really good. Yeah. Like all the horror elements of this are good. Mm-hmm. I agree. The, with that. I, the, the, just the idea of updating the, the pod thing. So it kind of, these things have to like attach onto you and go into your mouth and into your nose and all your, like every fucking orifice has to be yeah. had these weird tentacles in there and then it sucks the life out of you. So yeah. you still get that cool effect, which is basically the same thing that happened in the 70s of the body collapsing in on itself. But you have something that you actually see it being drained first, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the science the science checks out, which we've kind of questioned the past couple movies. Right. Yeah, it's, it, it's just taking the original concept from the 50s, which really we concluded didn't make any sense. And then the 70s concept, which tried to tidy it up a little bit, and it takes it one step further, and it's like now there's actual physical contact between the pod and the person. And it creates a neat element as well, because now theoretically you can wake up when you've been partially drained and pull that thing off of you, which has never happened in any of the previous versions, right? Right. I I was going to say, and this something surprised me in this too, because I was always under the impression that this was a made-for-TV movie, because I remember distinctly there being a whole thing about it being on TV and it was this big event and all that. And it, that must have just been the first showing because there is way too much nudity in this. Because unless this was on <laughs> HBO. 
I don't think this is a made-for-TV movie. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so either. But it's yeah. I mean, ninety. This may have been the kind of movie that could make a, an impact when it got shown on television. Right. Right. Because it's also one that pays direct homage to the '78 version that would have been very popular with the type of crowd of people who, you know, people who saw it in theaters '78 by '93 are stuck home on a Friday night because they can't go out because the kids are in bed kind of thing. So you could then draw them in to watch it. And then I would say the negative part of this movie is that unlike the previous two Body Snatcher movies, this one just kind of isn't a good movie. (laughs) Like, the acting's kind of not very good, even though some of the people who are in this movie are good actors, which means I'm assuming it was a shit script to begin with. It's just stiff and gross looking. I don't I don't know. It it looks too clean. It looks like it was shot on digital or something. You know what I mean? It's got that kind of glossy, low budget look to it. It, it yeah, it feels like a nineties action movie in some ways. Yeah. And those so don't hold up as well. That's one of the problems I have with the Puppet Masters. It's just it's that glossy nineties look to everything. Yeah. yeah, I found with this one too. I found like they didn't always know what kind of movie they were trying to be, and so some of the stuff is handled like this deadpan, serious horror, like almost like the '78 version of Body Snatchers, and then some of the stuff is more '90s action movie, which is not. Um, it's it's a completely different tone, right? And so you get these like ridiculous moments where like. Gabrielle Anwar's voice is doing the uh, voiceover and she's talking about like in this dead very serious thing and then she's like I, I kept thinking how they come for you when you're asleep and you sleep half your life and it's like nobody sleeps 12 hours a night hang on a second but you're being so serious that you're drawing all this attention to every word you say and it's causing me to think about it and it's like that dialogue is written for an action movie where no one cares because something blows up right after but it's being delivered in the horror movie way which is it's problematic throughout the whole film whenever you guys are watching a movie that's got Meg Tilly in it are you just slightly annoyed that it's not Jennifer Tilly (laughs) (laughs) It's noticeable, I'll tell you that. I'm, I'm just saying, it's because I'm not saying that Meg Tilly is a terrible actress, because she does passable stuff in a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, those B-movie type things that she does. I'm just saying, she looks too much like her sister that you're like, well, you're just the worst version. Like, we want the better version. Well, I cannot confirm this, because I, I did very, very minimal research. But when I posted that I was watching it, uh, my friend Patrick posted a fun fact that apparently Meg Tilly did not want to do the nude scene of her walking out of the closet. So her sister, Jennifer Tilly, did it instead. I could see that. So maybe you got the best parts of Jennifer Tilly (laughs) without actually having her, you know, her saying lines. But but without that that delightful smoky voice, <laughs> it's true. I just can't wait till Brian gets me too for saying those are the best parts of Jennifer Tilly. Well, I mean, come on, she's not the best actress in the world. Like <laughs> she's fine, but come on. Yeah, I actually think her sister's just fine too. As much as it is noticeable that you get the lesser known Tilly, mm-hmm. it's not. 
Tilly, Tilly the lesser. <laughs> it it doesn't. Uh, I don't think it has any negative impact on the film. I think, other than hey, look who it is. I don't think there would be any major changes if it was the other Tilly. So, and before I do get me tooed, I just want to say all Tilly, <laughs> all, all Tillys matter. No. We love all of oh, them. No. Oh, oh no! Oh no! You've good. gone the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> Just digging that hole, man. That's all right. Yeah, we were. Uh, I I was watching this one in the living room, and you know, Shar was kind of doing some things and looking at. It. And she goes, she keeps going. She looks so familiar, and I was like, That's <laughs> younger, uh, uh, her younger sister, and she's like, oh, that makes all sorts of sense. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's it gets to you. <laughs> They have similar faces. And I was looking up stuff uh, just to kind of see, like, have they ever been in a movie together or whatever? I realized Jennifer Tilly's, like, in her 60s. Yep. She seems way younger than that. Yeah. (laughs) Just imagine how old you are. (laughs) If you think she's 20 years younger than she is, that means you think you're 20 years younger than you are. Well, that's very true. Trying to hurt your hip getting to bed tonight. <laughs> she's in her she's in her sixties. She still looks pretty hot. Oh, she does. That's why I was shocked. Meg Tilly, on the other hand, looks like a very very old woman. <laughs> she looks the opposite. She looks like she has absorbed the years that Jennifer Tilly avoided somehow. Oh, is she like mid transformation pod person? She just looks. I mean, if you look out, uh, up a picture of her now. She is every every bit of sixty. Like she has platinum gray ass hair, and yeah, she still looks good though. She doesn't like, look bad. She just looks old. Like if she dyed her hair, like I'm assuming her sister does, she she would be look about the same. Are we are we gonna transition back to discussing the movie at any yeah, point? Yeah, we probably should. <laughs> I hate to interrupt your guys. I don't know how much more we can say about the body snatchers. Well, uh, well coming up next on Hot or Not, we're, we're going <laughs> to check out two other famous sisters. Great, uh, great moment in the movie, throwing the screaming pod child out of the helicopter. <laughs> so the effect's terrible. Yeah, because right. in the 90s, they thought that they knew how to make it look like a person was falling, but they did not, not know how to yeah. do that. Yeah, so they, yeah. every fucking movie I had to have a person fall from it somewhere up high. And then for some reason, it all looks – they're trying to recreate the Die Hard moment, but it all looks worse than the movie from 88. Throughout the entire right. 90s, it yeah. always looks worse. Even like when you go watch like The Crow, every moment of that movie looks like a fucking piece of art except for the part where the guy falls out the window. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but that that kid pointing and screaming, like yeah. falling out. You're like, okay, I, I dig that. Well, I thought the the scene of Meg Tilly doing the point and scream was kind of like fucked up because then all of a sudden, in the entire neighborhood behind them, you see people just come like pouring out of their houses to come after them, and I was like, holy fuck! I so I don't I have a complaint about the scream in this movie. So in the the 70s version, it is this unearthly, discordant, like a thousand voices wail thing that they do. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it's almost like a weird tonal scream. 
it's too it's too harmonic if that makes sense <laughs> like like their screams like what? <laughs> you know you're like okay we don't know <laughs> we don't need the wind up i don't sure. know i didn't have a problem with the scream yeah i feel like you might be nitpicking the film at this point I, well here's here's the thing i have to compare this directly to the exact same movie that i've just watched two weeks in a row <laughs> that i think yeah. we all can agree both those versions are better than this version even even if the special effects in this movie are great in this in the science checks a little bit better those are still better movies yeah, yeah. I, th- I think this movie had some good ideas in it. Like as far as advancing, it it suffers from the era it was made in. This story, what I've learned from the last two weeks, this story is designed to be told in the seventies. This whole thing of having you know not knowing who's who's the pod person and who's the real person and trying to uncover the conspiracy about it all, mm-hmm. it it just works it, best in that seventies yeah. time frame it does sort of lose like a social residence. Like I was trying to think of like the nineties since, you know, I actually lived through them of like what would have been going on. And there's, I don't know. Just don't feel like there was as much social unrest at the time. There there wasn't the nineties were the decade of complete apathy. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, just like even in, in every, uh, in every aspect, music. I mean, Seattle grunge. You know what Seattle grunge is? It's what happens whenever you give a bunch of heroin to punk musicians and they can't play fast anymore. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Like that. That's what I'm. It just complete the all, the entire '90s. That that's generally the reason why I dislike '90s horror movies because it's just they're all so fucking apathetically lazy and fucking boring. The '90s was terrible. It was the worst decade. All right. Fair enough. That was just a very random 90s rant, but sure. Um, <laughs> wait till we get to the next one. Um, but anyways, the uh, yeah, in the context of this movie, I just I, like I see what you're saying, Brian. There's no like it just feels like they're just taping the story and it, and it doesn't have any relevance to anything. Yeah. And it doesn't. Yeah, it's like nobody, like nobody picked this story and was like, "Well, I can connect this story to this, this, and this that's going on right now." Whereas I feel like when they did it in the seventies, they were able to to do that. No, because yeah, because in this movie they even name drop like Q8, right? Mm-hmm. And they sort of go in that direction of like um, the pod people claim, but by taking over the military, they'll actually make it a peaceful world. Or something like that, but it's not—it's not at the forefront of the storytelling. It's just a couple of lines of dialogue here and there. So yeah. I don't think it's—it does certainly doesn't resonate. If it, even if the people making the movie thought that they were saying something, mm. and then of course to have like it end with him doing the typical like, "Oh yeah, you guys think you're going to be peaceful? Then I'm going to blow you up." Like that's just—it it would overshadow that message in any way, right? Yeah. I was going to say, I do like the fact that in this movie, there is uh, a slightly different tone about the pod people trying to talk people into just allowing them to replace them. Because <laughs> in all the all the previous movies, if you tried to talk them into it, everybody's like, no, fuck you, commie. You, know? <laughs> yeah. you can't you can't steal me. And in this one, they're like, listen, world shit. We're going to get you. 
and, and yeah. there are several moments in this movie where somebody's like, uh, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> See, there's the 90s shining through for you it's like right. yeah, everything everything does suck you can't deny that no, what, are, what do I give a shit if anything if I get taken away by a pod person yeah right. let's do it yeah all checks out I'm gonna take a nap <laughs> it's yeah did you guys like the fact that uh, the only reason our main character survives is because they put the pod in one of those drop ceilings and when it grew into a person, it was too heavy for the ceiling, so it fell on top of her in the bathtub. Yeah. Which I, I love know. how you pointed out that was our secondary theme for this episode. That is our theme. That's coming up next movie as well, throwing bathtub. They they go a little more extreme with it. <laughs> they actually throw a bathtub <laughs> at the guy next time. Puts a... It's too bad we couldn't have found another movie with uh, Emperor Scorpions on a ceiling fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could have went with uh, If Looks Could Kill. We could have done a double feature. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't know. This movie is. I think we're running out of things to say about it because yeah. it's the movie's kind of okay. Like, yeah, I, out, I, out I, of I the body snatcher movies so far, it's like the th- the third in the lineup. But that's not saying anything because the other two are like really good. So yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go so far as to call it the worst. I would call it the mediocrest. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It is the blandest vanilla pudding of body snatcher movies. <laughs> yeah. And we it, may it, be saving it's... the worst for next week. We don't know yet. What I liked about this movie was the horror elements of it. I thought like the chase at the end was good. I thought the effects were good. Um but everything surrounding that was just not very good and the whole setting it on a military base is a weird decision. Yeah. And had the plot point in, of in Alabama too. Like what the fuck? What the fuck was is that? The where they were? Yeah, it's it's a military base in Alabama. Uh, that feels like maybe that's just the filming location, or it, they did have that cool uh, scene where all the pods were growing in like that swamp, and I thought that was, that was kind of neat looking. So maybe that's why they did it there. <laughs> How did you guys feel about that that giant uh, uh, merkin <laughs> that they put on fake Meg Tilly's crotch? <laughs> what the fuck was that thing? It looked like they killed a raccoon and strapped it to her waist. You know, that could just be the way that uh, Jennifer Tilly rolls. I don't know. I don't know. That was that was. It looked like an afro. Like it was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to choose not to engage in this portion of the discussion. <laughs> well, you want to engage in some Merkin talk? Anyways. Yeah, so the movie, yeah, the movie's okay. The effects are pretty decent. The story's kind of bleh. The, the twists and turns never feel like big twists and turns. Like, no. did, like, did you guys not pretty much know, like, ten minutes into the movie, like, she's going to be the survivor girl that's going to be the soldier that helps her live they're going to do a twist with the little brother again like all that just felt like it was so predictable and just so very paint by numbers as soon as as she lost the little brother along the way i'm like oh he's going to pop up again but he'll be evil how did you guys feel about uh forrest whitaker's death scene in this (laughs) because because i feel like 
in a movie that has a whole lot of phoning it in performances and like lackluster dialogue, all of a sudden you've got like Forrest Whitaker going completely fucking over the top. Hey, yep. Ghost Dog doesn't half-ass anything. Ghost Dog. I I honestly I thoroughly enjoyed that scene. I thought it was really well done. And when he blows his own head off and that blood comes splatting out, it was another good effect. Uh, the only problem I have with it is we didn't spend enough time with that character leading up to it. So it's like, who cares? Right. Like we should have, they, they should have scaled back the stuff about the teenage daughter, like running around drinking behind her dad's back and all that and scaled up the interactions between the scientist and the psychologist, which the other movies concentrated on. Right. But I guess they were going for that teenage audience. I assume that's what the plan was, and that's why they concentrated on the younger characters. Yeah. Unfortunately, they weren't very interesting. Like, no. Her her sort of drama with her dad and her stepmom just was like, yeah, she's she's mad at her dad and her stepmom. She's seventeen. That's exactly the type of drama you have when you're seventeen. It was weird, too, though, because she was like, in the opening dialogue, she's like, oh, nobody wants to go on vacation with their dad and the woman that replaced their mom. And then you find out that, like, her mom died when she was, like, what, they say, like, eight or something. Yeah, like seven, And it's like, eight. like, you're mad at your dad for remarrying a decade after your mom's death? Like, get over your fucking self. <laughs> like, it's, sorry, but she even alludes to the fact that she's going to be moving out of the house, like, go to college in like a year I'm like so your dad's just supposed to sit around and mope no that's not fair to him at all well, like if you want drama yeah technic- technically isn't the kid supposed to be between the dad and the stepmom so she's been around for a while but still, still uh, at, th- at this point if you're not over it like, yeah like if you if you want drama between a stepchild and step parent in your movie that's fine but you make them a recent step parent yeah, like it's, it, I don't know, like that's yeah. that's seems like again in a paint by numbers movie where they're like, oh, how how do we create drama? Oh, we'll make it a stepmom. Okay, that's what Disney does. I guess it works. <laughs> Go out of your way to either have her be an actual mean character or have it be like, oh, this is the first time they've ever left the house together, and that's why it's weird. But. Mm-hmm. Because you're already expecting us to buy in. Again, I still can't get my head around this whole, like, does the EPA send doctors to army bases for a month and they bring their whole family and live in barracks to test whether things are being stored correctly? They do in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Because it was weird, and they could have had him there for any reason, because it didn't end up playing a role at all. Like, the chemicals in question did not matter in any way, shape, or form, which was kind of funny. It was weird because too, like, because he also had that. You know, now I'm just gonna start complaining about this movie. Look what happened. <laughs> um, but he had Arlie Ermy show up. Yeah, and he's like yelling at him and screaming at him. But it's like he's a pod guy. So first of all, why is he displaying so much emotion? But second of all, well, like, wouldn't you just since the pod guys weren't taking doing anything with the chemicals at all, <laughs> why wouldn't you just have them like cooperate, have them test the chemicals, have them leave? Problem solved. Yeah. Nobody would have blown up all your shit at the end of the movie. Yeah, I figured since they were putting so much an emphasis on the chemicals, I figured there was going to be something like that he would have found out that like these chemicals hurt pod people or 
That's what I was anticipating. Something, yeah. but then, yeah, just nothing ever comes of it. But you had that one guy that mentioned that he flies a helicopter like several times throughout the movie and runs around in a jumpsuit, even though they're not planning to go up in the helicopter that day. <laughs> so you had to know the movie ended with him in a helicopter. Yeah. Like, that's just... Yeah, I'm not I, a military uh, guy, but do they usually wear their flight suits when they're not planning to go in the helicopter? That doesn't seem right. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't think so, but who knows? Yeah. Could have been worse. Could have been a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I, my memory of this movie is pretty much like the visuals from seeing it back in like the 90s. And the visuals, mm-hmm. I think, hold up really well. Oh, you're like, oh, yeah, this high school girl gets naked at some point. So weird. <laughs> no, we established that it's not a high school girl. It's a one-year-old. Oh, so it's a one-year-old, yeah. Or one-day-old, sorry. One-day-old. Forgot. It's like, if she was a donut, we'd throw her in the garbage. So it's okay to throw her to have her naked. <laughs> it's logic. <laughs> and I love that she seems, like, fully functional, but as soon as the girl just, like, rips the tendrils out of her face, the body seems to die. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it it is an all or nothing thing. Like, if you pull those tentacles off you before the full transformation, then you just get up and go. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know. Uh, Anything else for body snatchers? You know what scene was really good that we should give credit to? Sure. The scene where the, the kid is in the daycare and the kid is the first one that figures out something's wrong. And that moment where they're all doing like finger paintings and he holds up his painting and he looks around and everybody else is the same except his. And he's like, <laughs> fuck this and bolts from the daycare. <laughs> that was it. Like that kid actor has some issues because he's a kid actor. But that moment was pretty good where he's just looking around like, what the fuck? This like, oh, normal. Fuck no. <laughs> this, this can't be right. <laughs> I enjoyed that moment a lot. That was like I had a lot of hope for the movie that early on. I was like, "That's good." But <laughs> uh, all right, well, we teamed this up with the fuck did we team this up with? Oh, the arrival for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, not for some reason. It's uh, it sort of makes sense, I guess. Yeah, it's an alien invasion uh, movie from the nineties. Uh, Noah, do you want to tell us about the arrival? Uh, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Half horse, half man, and half machine. (laughs) (laughs) That is not not dialogue from the movie, just so everyone's clear. (laughs) No, it probably would have made this movie better, though. Yeah, but so, Charlie Sheen is a, uh, scientist. More specifically, he does, uh radio telescopy so he points satellite dishes at the stars and listens for things to happen uh and then one day something happens and there's a conspiracy because <laughs> of course there is takes it in gets shut down goes to mexico meets people uh <laughs> they put some fucking they try to kill him by dropping a bathtub on him <laughs> seems Seems like an inefficient way of murdering somebody, but that's okay. I especially liked that the bathtub didn't stop at him and just kept falling through all the floors below him. Right. I was going to say, in general, the aliens in this movie are inefficient murderers. 
Yes. Uh, they're, they're big thinkers. They're not military guys. They're scientists. Right. They load up a, a ceiling fan with scorpions <laughs> to take out his soon-to-be kind of girlfriend on the side from his regular girlfriend. Uh, and then, of course, he discovers that aliens are terraforming the planet. And this whole movie has been about global warning the entire time. Uh, and then that's it. He fights him. Some other stuff happens. This movie doesn't like this. This movie's really, really fucking long and doesn't really have that much of a plot to it. Look, this is one of two movies where it opens with a guy hearing something over a giant satellite dish and then turns out aliens. But one of them this year did really well. And then there's this one. So apparently in the trivia, it is attributed to this movie doing horribly due to the fact that Independence Day came out a month later. And I would say that is a false statement because this movie is just bad. Yeah, this movie did bad before Independence Day came out. I don't I think you guys are being unnecessarily harsh towards this film. I'll say oh, that. God, this is I, had not, watch, I, mean, I, had, I had to watch this in two sittings because I was about ready to fall asleep. Look, the, the pacing is a problem. I'm not saying it's perfect. The pacing is a problem. The movie has a an identity crisis where it part of it wants to be like a, a 70s political thriller type thing where he's surrounded by he doesn't know who what he because you get those moments where he's like accusing people of being aliens who aren't and he's not sure who is and who isn't because they're hiding their identity and you know like it doesn't quite work on that level. And then part of the movie wants to be this nineties action movie, which obviously this is not like an independence day type action movie. It's not going to be able to pull that off, but I don't think it's atrocious. I mean, I think, I think part of the pro problem is Charlie Sheen, right? Cause listen, funny Charlie Sheen is fucking great. And sleazy Charlie Sheen is, is fun and interesting serious charlie sheen don't give a fuck <laughs> yeah no he's he's not cut out for this role of a scientist who becomes an investigator and tracks down this conspiracy he's not suited to him and he probably shouldn't have been cast and i think had he not been cast if he had somebody a, a different actor in the role i'm not sure who but i think it would have then taken that turn to be less less 90s and more of like a slow political thriller and then that it wouldn't seem so long if you were if it was a more tense movie but with him in there acting the way he acts and you know having that weird 90s goatee but you still shave every day even though you have a goatee it's um it, it's weird like that he i don't know he he makes it into this more it feels more like it wants to be an action movie and that's I don't think that's on him as much as it's on just like it's not it's not bad acting. It's just that's who he is as a person. That's what he looks like, and it's hard to it's hard to get around that. Yeah, I I would say another issue with this movie is when dealing with sci-fi technologies, uh, it neither needs to be needs to be convincing or look so cool that you don't care that you're not convinced that it's practical. And this movie fails at both those things with all alien technologies. Like the terraforming machine. Exactly what is that fucking design? Why why do capsules slide down a ramp, shoot across a gap, 
into another hole where then they're loaded into the terraforming machine, which then somehow fires a, a literal ball of gas up through a thing into the atmosphere. And does anybody else have a problem with that? Because I think it, it is both scientifically unsound and it looks dumb. Well, you actually explained it way more than I understood it when it was actually on screen. So Yeah, I, I didn't think that much about it. I, all I thought was, well, 90s CGI. That's all I thought. Um, and I didn't hold that against the movie because it's not its fault that that's what CGI looked like back then. I'm just saying, why would they, why would they fire them across a gap? <laughs> what possible purpose could there be? To not connecting that ramp to the slot it's going into. Well, maybe on their planet, nobody's ever thought of doing that before. So to them, like you're saying that, and they're like, whoa, I can't believe you could think to do that. But they've just always had their ramps end a little while before the hole you were trying to put something in. Maybe your common sense doesn't apply on their planet. Maybe. I mean, there's also their weird implosion bombs that apparently destroy all matter within a room. I, okay, yeah. I'm gonna go the, doors, ahead. the doors and windows, hard barrier. I'm going to go ahead and concede that the science on that one doesn't make any sense, but I do think those ones look neat. Those weird, like, they look like a combination of the spheres from uh, Phantasm and the box from Hellraiser, and they open up and start spinning the way they do, and then everything just goes nuts. I think that looked really cool, and I, therefore I didn't question it as to why it only destroyed matter in a room. Because <laughs> that is <laughs> now that you say it like that, I'm like, yeah, that's weird. I mean, it's it all the stuff even... that could be sucked into it. Anything that was like nailed down was okay. I know, but it doesn't even break the windows. That's how. That's how. How, did, how much how future it tech not... it is? I was going to say, how does it not break the windows? I, uh... I feel like you're again nitpicking here. It sucks this, is, this is not nitpicking. I have it, so many questions about the <laughs> physics of this fucking implosion ball. Okay, you just you just said you're not nitpicking, and you have a whole bunch of questions about the physics of their alien ex- explosion ball. You're contradicting yourself there. You're either nitpicking or <laughs> or you don't have any questions about it. It's it's a magic alien ball. That's what you're supposed to think. And and I'm in my opinion, it does look good enough that I never occurred to me that oh, why is it only destroying stuff in the one room? It's like well, this because it's designed to do it that way. They don't explain why it's how it's designed. Uh, This this movie also contains a horrible uh, I don't know maybe five to ten minute long scene of Charlie Sheen in terrible prosthetic brown face. Yeah, but it's supposed to be terrible. Prosthetic brown face. Like you're supposed to be able to see through and know it's him. So. Uh, yeah, but I'm pretty. They should. They probably should have slapped the white guy's face on him. But they're in Mexico. You just That's do, racist, Noah. You could just do a different white guy. It's, it's uh, okay. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna try to start defending the use of blackface in most movies, but in this particular movie. The idea is that the technology makes you look like you would fit in. So they made him look like a Mexican guy because he's in Mexico, but it's still putting it over his body, so it's still maintaining his general face. I think I, I think it's fine. 
Would you like to see the ruins? <laughs> it's weird. I almost feel like wouldn't wouldn't it have been better since since this thing's supposed to like convincingly cover you up because it certainly does for the aliens just to I don't know have another actor stand in and be Charlie Sheen for just a minute. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, it didn't bother me in the context of the film. Like I, I thought, I thought, I thought the tension of him trying to get out of there once he was like, he thought the aliens knew where he was. I thought that actually worked quite well. He's down in there, like in the middle of their carbon dioxide plant, and he has to try to find his way up and out of there. And it's like, okay, I thought that was all like pretty tense and it was working and that when he ends up in the elevator with that other guy and the guy starts talking to him and he tries to like shake him off like <laughs> like he's just assuming aliens also use shaking their head back and forth as a no <laughs> and then he eventually just has to kill that one like I, I, I thought that all worked pretty well those are the parts of the movie I liked uh, I think the most effective spooky bit is their horrible backwards grasshopper legs yep <laughs> creepy as shit <laughs> Is that not creepy as shit when they their legs bend the wrong way? You're just well, like, oh, there's something very off-putting about that. It's kind of off-putting, but it's even worse when they go from bending, I don't know, I guess what us humans would, would say would be the correct way. And then they, like, you hear the, like the sort of like the the bones crunch it together, and then they bend the other way. That's the fucked up yeah. part. It's so fucking weird looking. The first time it happens with a guy that in the alley after the bathtub scene, and it's just like, oh my god, it's so weird. And then he does that. He uses like because they're bent the other way, he can jump really high. And later we see that they can run really fast with them bent that way. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to know any of that. Just <laughs> I wish the aliens would have just stayed covered up. It's so creepy, which I guess is the goal. I did like your political correctness there, Brian, where you're like, what are, what's that, what are humans would consider the correct way for an <laughs> Hey, I've learned from our uh, Meg Tilly, Jennifer Tilly conversation. <laughs> Grown as a person over the course of this podcast. <laughs> exactly. You can, you can see it happen in real time. Um, yeah, I don't know. Overall, I was very bored with this movie. I definitely think the movie, it, the conspiracy elements of it didn't work well enough to justify the length and then as a more actiony movie it's just those ones are supposed to be an hour and a half long not what yeah. it's supposed to do. so I, I think five, i think there's not uh, five minutes shy of being two hours oh my god i think there's an hour and a half cut of this movie that's actually quite good i can believe that right i was uh, gonna say they spend way too much time with the client climate scientist chick just uh yeah for that for that to really amount to nothing yeah for Other that to her, amount to nothing and just her to, kill her. her to be there and be like oh it's global warming and then that's it it's like well the, it, you'd have to replace her with some other way of us finding out what's going on right have the have the the kid sidekick figure it out somehow yeah I mean, I almost thought the fact that he walks into that building and they give you four minutes of someone explaining how tele- terraforming works was probably enough for you to understand that they were terraforming. Yeah. Yeah. 
that was that was the issue I had with the movie was stuff like he walks in. There's it was just so telegraphed where he walks into a room and they're explaining terraforming, and then he causes a scene. He gets dragged out of the room just to, right after we get enough information to know what terraforming is. It just it just ends up being a pure coincidence that he was in that room and it, and the conspiracy he's trying to unsolve is the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I like know. I, I fucking watched this movie, and I sent you guys a message that I was. This is like the longest two hour movie I've ever seen because I was watching, and you know, I was like, "All right, well, I f- it feels like we're to the point we should be wrapping, starting to wrap stuff up, head towards the end game, and whatever this movie is going to be." And I checked the time, and only forty five minutes had passed, and there was still an hour and ten minutes left, and I'm like, "Holy fucking shit! What the hell?" <laughs> I actually paused this movie and took a little break and I was like at the 43 minute mark. And I was like, Hey, this is where Brian paused it too. <laughs> We're thinking yeah. it's, it's probably the exact same point. There must've been something about it, but <laughs> I, I do think, yeah, definitely the movie could have been streamlined. Probably the climax should have happened in Mexico and get rid of that whole, like half an hour of when he comes back up to California and has, the whole, I mean, the whole climax of the film can almost be edited out for the sake of that. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Either that or spend a lot less time in Mexico and have him come right back up. Because there was that whole thing where they tried to frame him for the murder of the climate scientist chick. I'm like, do we need that? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a, a lot of stuff that could have been excised from this film that could have been done in a faster way to make this into more of like just a fun action science fiction movie mm-hmm. that I think would have been probably better with the ironic part being in the 90s when I saw this I remember thinking like oh thank god they didn't just go all action movie with it and they actually treated him like a real scientist and he actually like you know and they, yeah I understand the Im- impulse to do that but they didn't do a good enough job of that yeah. I realized watching this that I don't think I've ever seen this before and I think I was getting this confused with Terminal Velocity which is the movie that him and the same director did before this about fucking parachuting or some nonsense. See, I was going to blame the director for this movie without doing a lot of research. I just noticed that he's really known more as a writer Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, he's made some really good movies. So he he? he did dark city, I believe. He, um, he wrote it. He did. He directed it. Love, love me some Dark City. I think he directed it. Yeah. Did he? Okay. I probably should have read his IMDb list closer. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right but, now. Yeah, like I started to think if maybe a lot of this was like you know a writer who wants to make this dark '70s political thriller style movie about an alien invasion and gets sucked into trying to keep doing that even when the budget only allowed for him to make a, a '90s action movie. He did all three of the Riddick movies. Uh, I guess he didn't. He didn't direct uh, uh, whatever the one I said before was. Dark City. Ted, you just made me nervous about rewatching Pitch Black because I really liked that one. And now I'm worried that it's very slowly paced <laughs> as well. Well, I was watching uh, Alex Proyas. That's who it was. Who did The Crow, so that fits into uh, our Crow discussion for the episode. Try to bring it up as much as possible. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I watched like part of Riddick the other day, like the last one. Yeah. And it's still pretty good. So, okay, that's the one I haven't seen. Because this was only his his listed his second directorial movie on here. Okay. Which wait, that doesn't seem right. What about Terminal Velocity? What the fuck is going on? Are you sure he directed Terminal? I'm starting to think you just think this guy directed everything from the '90s. <laughs> you know, there was more than one director working in Hollywood in the '90s, right? Well, I thought I read it in the um trivia but we're such an unprepared podcast <laughs> uh, but anyways yeah I, I don't seem to have the hatred for this movie that you guys have I agree that it's way too long and that it should have been pared down um, or it should have been directed by somebody who knows how to make a political thriller and amped uh, up that conspiracy stuff uh, he wrote Terminal Velocity but he did not okay. direct it so there's a solution right there. We should just remake this movie, not change anything, and just put Nicolas Cage in the lead. <laughs> See, that instantly no. makes it better. No. Oh, come on. Can you have it? Imagine him having uh, uh, scientific freakouts about sound coming from outer space. Great. I think you actually just might have accidentally touched on one of the other problems I had with this movie was that it thinks it's so much smarter than it is and I think this kind of applies actually to body snatchers as well where it's like they think they're un- they're giving us all this information as we go along and it's like he literally he hears a noise from outer space he goes into his boss's office his boss is like you're fired okay so the boss is an alien and he's covering up for the alien conspiracy okay and then a kid randomly shows up, and it's like, well, it's 96, not 86, so they're not going to give him a kid's sidekick unless that kid's sidekick is evil. Um, <laughs> guess he's guess he's one of the aliens. Like, and it's, It just felt like that throughout much of the movie, where you're just like, every time there's a big reveal, it's like, yeah, I knew that a while ago. Is Are the rest of the people in the movie just finding out now that that kid's an alien? <laughs> like, I knew he was oh, an alien when he showed up at that window. The guy who took him to the shady murder hotel, that guy was an alien? What? That's weird. Yeah, and again, I, I don't know exactly what you would do differently to make those elements work better. But I think the movie, if you're going to have the movie be this long, those elements simply have to work better. It has to be a surprise. Like when he, you have to not know when he goes to the place to break in and he sees the the cab driver pull up. Like that has to make you feel like, holy shit, there's a lot more going on here than I thought but it doesn't do that in this movie. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. Also, I own this on DVD, and when I put the DVD in, it's uh, it says widescreen on it, but it turns out it's non-anamorphic. So you get, like, instead of just having black bars on either the top and bottom or on the sides, you get all four, and the picture is just mini in the middle of your screen. Oh. <laughs> So luckily it was on Prime as well. So I just, you know, it's just a funny story and I didn't actually watch it like that. But. Oh, I had to pay to watch this. Oh, really? Yeah. It's not this, available anywhere this, down here. This showed up on Prime. Both like, both of these movies were available for free with ads on Voodoo. Oh, wait, you're right. That is how I watched them. Never mind. Oh. I was thinking I had to rent them, but no. Yeah, they were free with ads. Yeah. Because this one showed up on Prime since we announced we were going to re- review it. 
And one of the other movies, I think for next week, showed up on Hoopla that was not there when we announced we were going to do it. <laughs> Somebody's listening. The, the faculty, I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> just, just in Trudeau's, like trying to help you out. Yeah. So it, yeah. Do you want? Do you want to trade leaders for a while, Doug? No, no, I don't. Uh, fuck. Just I can't until wait the election. Till- I just can't wait till like they're about to have another election and books start coming out about Trudeau and all the shady stuff he does in the back, and it's all about how he spends way too much time picking out his socks and shit, as opposed to your guy who's like, how, how about can we have the guy that was like politely asked to leave your parliament because he called another dude racist for being racist? No, you can't have Jimmy saying I like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> But but he's a shit stirrer. They had to ask him to leave. Maybe he left. It's not like they had to drag him out of there. I, I know. They politely asked him to leave, and he politely left. Yeah. Fuck you guys. I'm so fucking jealous of your civil discourse. Just because just one of our politicians called another politician a name, so they're like, well, you're just going to have to not be in the House of Commons for the rest of the day then. And he's go like, stand oh. outside. That was very naughty. You go out there and well, you can still hold your daily press conference and continue with every other aspect of your life. This really isn't a big deal. Remember when Trump was running for president and he told all the other candidates that their wives were ugly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the kind of shit we had to deal with. Remember when he just openly mocked handicapped people on stage? Yep. yep. And everybody on uh, that's Trump supporters just decided that that kind of shit's okay? Yeah. <sighs> he, said, he said that if you get trapped by the enemy, you're inherently not a war hero. Yeah. All right. Let's. I'm getting depressed. Can we do a special podcast next week where we just review John Bolton's book? Because that sounds like it's going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, does anybody else have anything else to say about the arrival? Uh, you could probably not watch it and be all right. Yeah, I mean, I think if if you, you like, wouldn't you wouldn't be mad if you did watch it. But you don't have to. You'd probably be mad when you realize, oh, this has got to be almost over, and you're not even halfway done with it. (laughs) I think that both the movies from this week, I think you either like movies from the 90s or you don't. And neither of these movies does anything to cover up the fact that it's from the 90s. I guess. I mean, I don't usually have a problem with movies from the 90s, but... But the last three movies from the 90s we've talked about, you've complained about them and said that they have that weird 90s problem. Maybe It's uh... literally the last three movies we've talked about on this podcast. (laughs) Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Well, what have we watched since last week? I ain't watched shit. Oh, all, good. all I managed to watch is most of Stargirl. Yeah? I, I you heard, heard a lot of talk about that at the beginning of the show? Right, right. There was a lot of talk of that at the beginning of the show. That's it. That's that's literally all I got. I haven't had a chance to watch anything else. 
you literally watched nothing else? I don't have that I, much I, I watched these two movies and a few episodes of Stargirl, and that's that's it for the entire week. What'd you watch, Doug? Just uh, pulling up the list here. You remember last week when I watched Point Break? Yeah. So I got thinking that shouldn't uh, Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves team up more often? Yeah. And that, and that's when I remembered that they did literally team up once to play guys on the same hockey team in the 1986 movie Young Blood. So I had to check that out. And plus it's hockey. I'm sure you're missing hockey by now. I am missing hockey right now. Somehow I've never seen Young Blood before, which is amazing because wow. it starts I don't Patrick remember. Swayze. I don't remember but, a lot about it, but I remember uh, I watched it at some point. Yeah, but Patrick Swayze as a hockey player in the 80s, it's literally set in the town that I used to live in <laughs> and, and, actually, <laughs> and actually filmed there. And I'm like, how have I never seen this before? And then I'm like, I know Candy Reeves is in this. And sure enough, he plays the French-Canadian goaltender for some reason. Not sure why he had to have a French-Canadian accent for his three lines of dialogue that he gets. <laughs> <laughs> He's not good at it, I'll tell you that. Mm. Anyways, the whole movie's about a guy that wants to skate instead of fight, but then at the end, they, he gets in a big fight. So it's pretty fucking good. <laughs> I really enjoyed watching it. I, I won't try to sell it to you guys. Is it, it, is it, isn't this a Rob Lowe movie too? Yeah, Rob Lowe plays Rob Lowe plays like an American farmer kid who's like desperately wants to be a pro hockey player, and he comes across to get a tryout with the, a team in Hamilton, Ontario, and he's basically he makes a team based on being the skill guy and the guy that doesn't make the team is like a big fighter guy but sure enough come playoffs they're playing the other team and the big fighter guy is on that other team now because he that's where he went after he didn't get picked up here and uh he injures the team captain played by patrick swayze so then rob Lowe goes home and has a ridiculously long training montage considering it happens between two games in the same playoff series uh, but now he comes back knowing how to fight, and he fights the guy at the end of the movie after after scoring the winning goal, of course. He scores the winning goal, then has a big fight to win the Memorial Cup, which is the actual cup they hand out to <laughs> the uh, junior hockey champions in Canada every year. Um, that's one, one of the weird things that this movie, every now and again, it got like weird stuff right, where I'm like, people are insulting each other, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy just told that other guy to go hump is St. Bernard and I definitely know a guy from Hamilton would say that to a guy from Thunder Bay like that is exactly <laughs> right <laughs> so oh, nice yeah I, I enjoyed the hell out of watching it I don't, I don't not really recommending it to anybody else though <laughs> if, if you're a big fan of hockey movies from the 80s it's available for free on YouTube mm. and I would check it out I know it is popular with a certain crowd of people but you know, yeah. and get ready. It's the it's the eighties. The hockey hair is in full effect. So be prepared <laughs> for that if you're going to watch this movie. It's sometimes difficult to watch. And it has. Uh, if you're wondering whether it has sports stereotypes in it, one of the main plot lines is that the new star player wants to date the coach's daughter. So mm. yeah, maybe maybe it touches on the stereotypes a little bit. <laughs> um, I watched some other stuff too, though. A little bit more in line with what we're supposed to be talking about on this podcast. Um, I watched a movie called Mercy 
from 2016. That is a it's a Netflix original. You guys seen it or heard about it? No. So the basic concept is there's a family. The mom is um, basically dying, and the two there's so there's the current father, and then there's four sons, and two sons are from a previous father, and two sons are from the current husband and they're all getting together like to deal with the fact that she's going to die and apparently she's got some money and what's going to happen with that and stuff right so there's all sorts of tension and that night there's basically a home invasion that occurs and you're set up to believe that like two of the brothers are basically trying to take out the other two brothers to protect their inheritance Um, it's actually a pretty good movie um, I thought it was going to be that simple when I watched it. And I'm like, okay, home invasion, some of the family's outside trying to kill the rest of the family that's inside. Uh, partway through the movie, it takes a bit of a twist, and you start to see things that you've already seen, but told from a different perspective. And you start to realize that, like, not everybody is as they seem, and that the invaders are not likely members of the family, but they're someone else. I won't spoil who else they are, but I will say if you're watching the movie, you'll probably figure it out pretty quick. So it was decent, um, you know, kind of a kind of a Netflix original thriller from 2016 before they kind of got good at making Netflix original movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was all right. It has nobody in it that you've heard of was probably made as a direct video type thing and bought by Netflix. Now that I'm saying it out loud, it probably wasn't a Netflix original technically, but they get to call it that. So, sure. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you guys are curious about that. I will say the home invaders look pretty cool. They're all wearing these like white masks. Um, I don't, it's, it's an effective look. I, the movie overall was shot way too dark in my opinion. And just it was hard to see what was going on a lot of the times, so that was a bit of an issue for me. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. And the other thing I watched because you guys were talking it up last week and got me all excited. I wasn't what? talking it up because I've never seen it. <laughs> Guess it was Noah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, having only seen this once before and not really remembering a lot of the details about it. Other than the emotional impact it had on me at the time, I figured I'd rewatch Requiem for a Dream. Uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a tough one. Uh, I can't believe you used that word and rewatch in the same sentence. Yeah. Like I said, I saw it once back when it was like new. I remember being upset by it, but not didn't remember much of the details of it. So I thought, okay. After we talked about it last week, I'm like, let's check it out. I will say I think it's it's a lot smarter of a movie than I expected it to be. Like it's it's basically for people who haven't seen it, it basically just follows a few characters as they all their lives all go to shit because of excessive drug use. Um, and as like the first time I watched it, I think it was Jared Leto's character that I kind of remembered the most he's the one that ends up like literally having to have an arm taken off because he gets infections from injecting all the time but uh watching it now as maybe more of an adult i 
really thought the the most effective storyline was the one with the mother. Oh yeah. Like, so she's like a lonely old lady. She gets hooked on prescription like amphetamines that she's getting as diet pills from a doctor and you get these scenes of her going into the doctor's office and just saying like uh yeah i need to lose weight and a nurse kind of weighs her and the doctor walks in and doesn't even look up from his notepad and prescribes her basically speed you know and she just she doesn't even know what she's taking she just says well the doctor said they work so she takes you know she refers them the pills by color and doesn't even know what's in them and you know yeah, and she's she's going on a game show, and all she wants to do is look good on the game show. It's it's yeah. it's soul destroying. Yeah, and it's, but I think it's also, I think what this movie does really well is it portrays the various ways in which drug abuse can impact you, and the various ways in which you can get hooked on drugs. Because I've known several people in my life who've been hooked on prescription drugs, and one of the hardest things is to try and explain to them that they're hooked on drugs because they don't think they are. They think that, hey, the doctor gave it to me, so therefore it's okay. And it's like, like I literally knew one guy who's like, oh, I got to leave. I got to go to the doctor and I got to drive all the way over here because that's the only one that will prescribe me the pills I need. And it's like, no, no, no. If you have to go to more than one doctor to get that pill, you're not a sick person. You're an addict. <laughs> if the first doctor says no, you're supposed to not take them. That's how that works. But how do you explain that to somebody? And this movie really, I think, portrays it very well by having her story go hand in hand with her son's story, who's getting hooked on the more traditional street drugs and having the more traditional like downward spiral that we associate with drug use. So I thought that was really, really effective. No, I mean, when I say effective, but not effective in the way an action movie gets you pumped up and excited, more effective in the way you're like, oh, the world sucks a lot. Here's here's a bunch of different ways in which it sucks that are sort of interconnected. Um, but yeah, like the by the end, when you see that mom just completely disheveled and she's going through like electric shock therapy to try to get her back to being herself. And it's just like, oh, my God all that because she wanted to be on a game show and she wanted to fit in a particular red dress that she thinks she looks nice in. Just creepy as hell. Hmm. That's not even, you know, we haven't even gotten to the stuff with Jennifer Connelly being forced to do sexual favors through Keith David in order to get drugs. Like it's, (laughs) like that's again another another storyline that just is going along with these other ones of just like okay what happens to her if she gets strung out on drugs oh look it sucks in a different way that's it was it was it was a, it was a depressing movie i needed a fucking drink after i watched this movie i'll tell you that i was oh, like <laughs> and you're like i need a drink but should i though <laughs> so i yeah, anyways, that that's all I watched this week. I'm just going to end it on that happy note. <laughs> uh, uh, I like to cheer you guys up at the end of the podcast, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I didn't watch Jack shit this week. Um, I can talk about a movie that I watched a couple weeks ago and I forgot to talk about. All right. A uh, movie from 1997 called Night Watch. This is a movie, this trailer for this movie was on, like, a bunch of um, Miramax and Dimension videotapes. 
which like, Nightwatch is this? Because there was a few ones from back in that era. Uh, this one uh, has Ewan McGregor in it. Okay. Um, but I saw the trailer, like, all the time. Because I owned, of course, yeah. Owned of the Crow on VHS, and it's before that. And I think it was before Scream, maybe? Um, something like that. And so, I used to see this trailer all the goddamn time. And just never watched the movie. Because... Seems like it never really came out, but ended up on VHS. But so I saw it for cheap, and I'm like, ah, you know what? I should watch it. And uh, I was shocked by the cast that's in this movie. So you have fucking Ewan McGregor, uh, Patricia Arquette, Nick Nolte, Josh Brolin, Lauren Graham, who is the mom from Gilmore Girls. Uh, and Brad Dourif and John C. Riley. So as the opening credits are going, I'm just like, holy fuck, like everybody's in this damn movie. Uh, so Ewan McGregor is a law student and he gets a job as a nighttime security guard at the, is it the university hospital? Uh, it's, I don't know. It's some, some hospital close to the campus and there's a morgue in it because that's, plot important and uh he has to go around so apparently they i don't know if this is true i don't know any security guys or anything but so he has this like little box that he has to carry around with him and when he has to make his nightly rounds like every hour or something and he has to go to all these certain points and there's like keys like chained to the wall and he has to like you know put him in this box that he carries and turn them and that sort of logs that he has done his rounds or something it's very weird but one of them of course is in the morgue like in the room with all the dead bodies for whatever reason um and one of the plot points is um that all of the bodies have like these cords over them that you could like reach up and like you know tug on them or whatever and the story the the security guard that's showing him around gives him is um, this is sort of like an old-fashioned thing so that if someone was put into the morgue by accident and they woke up, if they pulled on it, then an alarm will go off. So they'll know to come, like, hey, you know, there's a person who's not dead in the morgue. It adds this weird layer of suspense to it or whatever. But so uh, throughout all this, of course, there's news of like some serial killer that's going around uh, sort of in the background. And then one day as uh, they bring one of the uh, the bodies of his victims to the morgue and then one night while he's studying or whatever, the alarm for the morgue goes off and he's already been down there. So he knows for a fact that there's like nobody else in the building that would be in there. And so then it sets off like this sort of uh, serial killer mystery type thing or whatever. Uh, the movie is pretty good. The problem is, well, I guess this will fit in the theme. The problem is it has a <laughs> sort of 90s theme, 90s ending to it. That's just like, oh, okay. Well, that's kind of a dumb explanation for everything. And then, then it ends, but... The suspense is really good. The uh, follow through, maybe not so much. 
But like I said, it's got a fucking hell of a cast, which shocked me. I really only knew of Ewan McGregor being in this movie. So to see everybody else uh, was pretty awesome. So. so I'd say it's a recommend. It's just, uh, you know, be wary that I did not enjoy the ending, but maybe maybe you will. Yeah. That movie was on my watch list for so damn long, and then it just faded away. Cause you're right. It was probably the same thing I probably saw it all over the place with the... Uh, yeah. Like just that trailer just was all over the place. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you get a chance to watch it either free and or cheap, I'd say go for it. But it's, uh, you know, beware of yeah. the ending, at least on my part. Well, we'll see. If, if it made it from 97 to now without getting watched, I probably won't rush it to the top of my list without a more firm <laughs> no. recommendation. I need to see it now. And apparently it's a remake of a Norwegian movie. And it's the same director. Okay. Like, he came to America and did did a remake of his own movie. So. Yeah, it's original. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, okay, next week, wrapping up Body Snatcher Month, uh, we're going to be looking at the 2006 movie The Invasion, starring uh, Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig. And... Uh, then what I feel is, uh, at least I remembered, again, we'll get into the 90s of everything. Uh, I remember it being pretty good, a pretty good body snatcher movie, which is uh, The Faculty, Robert Rodriguez yeah, movie. That's going to be very 90s, I think. Yeah. That's so 90s that it has Fighting. in it. <laughs> Fighting alien parasite slugs with designer meth. <laughs> Uh, Josh Hartnett, uh, pre-Lord of the Rings, uh, Elijah Wood. Yeah. Ah. This does have that weird thing where we made that brief period where they made high school movies and uh, the drug dealers would become the heroes, right? That's this yeah. is one of those. Yeah. yeah. They're like, what if we took Bender from The Breakfast Club and made him the hero of the movie? But it's weird because they're drug dealers, but they make them... They're drug dealers at high school and they make them the heroes of the movies. <laughs> it's kind of odd, right? Yeah. I guess we'll find you know, out. I guess it's not odd. It's cool and edgy, and I should uh, really appreciate it. It also has uh, Robert Patrick in it and Usher. I believe this was Usher's first movie role, which I know everybody was super excited about. <laughs> yeah. Fucking. I'm going to probably just have to watch that right now, now that I know Usher is in it. Who's. <laughs> Who's Usher, by the way? Just a, I don't. <laughs> uh, he did that song, you know, the one. Oh, no! At least now I know he's a musician. That explains why his name is Usher if he's a musician. Uh, what why, was his song? Why else would his name be Usher? Do you did you think perhaps he was a literal Usher? I well, to be fair, his actual <laughs> real name is Usher. Usher so, Raymond the fourth. Did you look that up just recently or do you just know that off the top of your head? Uh, I'm looking at IMDb right now. I was curious if the faculty actually is his very first movie. Uh, I was wrong. He was in what's these are all, I guess these all might be music videos. Yeah. I guess so. Oh well. So yeah, the faculty. Rob Rodriguez. 
Make him then the body snatcher month. We'll see. We'll see if it holds up any. I'm going to assume it does. Sometimes those uh, 90s sort of the uh, fallout of Scream, even though this isn't necessarily like a Scream uh, type of movie. Um, it uh, still came out of that. Because I just listened to uh, Kevin Williamson on a podcast a couple weeks ago. And he uh, came in to do a touch-up on the script after he became, you know, the writer that everybody wanted to work with after Scream. And he said he came up with the idea of making them parasites rather than doing the sort of uh, pod person version of the body snatcher okay. type movie. So helped. Uh, well, we'll see. Yeah. I think the, the problem with nineties movies is you, you kind of nailed it with scream scream works because it knows that it's a ridiculous nineties movie. Mm-hmm. All these, all these ones that we've had, negative comments about the last couple of weeks they don't seem to know that they seem to think that if they behave very seriously everyone will take them seriously but then they still have that 90s atmosphere that just you can't take seriously Mm -hmm. so yeah uh we'll see we'll see might be good hoping it's good i've had i've had like a good like you know a good thought about this movie in my head ever since the 90s so hopefully it stays that way yeah, we really destroy some of our own childhoods just by forcing ourselves to rewatch stuff that, you know, you wouldn't be rewatching that if it weren't for the, you know, the podcast. So. Yeah, so we do this all for you. We ruin ourselves for you people. Yeah. You're just yelling at the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. There. Suck that, listeners. Except for the ones in Kazakhstan. You. <laughs> We need more of you. I haven't got an update on where where our standing is. I tried to look the other day, but I couldn't get uh, it to uh, load properly. That's not a good sign. No. Probably it loads properly if you're in the top ten. Ellen DeGeneres <laughs> trying to swipe our fucking spot. What the fuck? God damn you, Ellen. Ellen fucking DeGeneres. More like Ellen DeGenerate, right? Yeah. Hey-o. What was it we were supposed to talk about? We were supposed to have witty banter about potassium to really <laughs> boost those Kazakhstan numbers. <laughs> Bananas. That's the way to go. I don't know. That's just sad. That's about the only thing I know of potassium. It's less, it's less depressing than mining potassium from mountains. I, I sure hope all this doesn't go out to the public. Oh, it totally will. Uh, so I'm reading the Amber Heard's legal team has exited her lawsuit against Johnny Depp. It's always a good time when when your lawyers are like, yeah, nah, I think we're done. I thought, I didn't know that that was still going on. Well, I think it's a new lawsuit because... He has provided uh, proof that she was actually the abusive one in the relationship and yeah. has audio of her saying that basically, yeah, I'm going to tell everybody that you beat me because who are they going to believe me, a woman or you, a man? So that's nice. Of her. Yeah. And so what now she's suing him for defamation. I think so. Let me click on the actual article. That would probably help. 
probably suing him for fucking recording her saying that. Uh, libel lawsuit, yeah. Yeah. How how dare oh. you catch me committing a crime? It's actually Johnny Depp's libel lawsuit against her. Oh. And her defense okay. lawyers are like, nah, we're good. And when they start, they <laughs> dipped out. That's reassuring for her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because I guess he's got proof that she almost got one of his fingers cut off, so. Because she threw a bottle at him. And you're not supposed to do that? Uh, not usually. That's usually not a good uh, good sort of thing for your relationship. Did you guys watch that little 30-minute thing that uh, Dave Chappelle put out? Yeah. I have not, but I want to. Man, it's intense. I thought it was on Netflix, and I went to look for it, and I couldn't find it. I'm like, it's on YouTube. Well, I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah, it's just on YouTube. And I watched something else instead. I mean, it's it's supposed to be a comedy special, but he makes about three jokes, and then he goes off in, like, yeah. it's not funny for the rest of it. It's just him blowing up. Yeah. Every now and again, he goes, yeah, none of this is funny, by the way. I mean, you're like, yeah, we all know. <laughs> But yeah. he is a good public speaker, and he makes good points. And I had uh, just, just for whatever reason, prior to that, I rewatched one of his special specials from like the '90s, and he's like doing the whole thing about police brutality back then. And you're like, it, it's again, this is my, I guess what I keep saying: things are never going to get better because here was like people saying stuff about it in the 90s and the same people are still having to get brought back to say it again yeah yeah i was gonna say his turn his turn in that little 30 minute thing is so good because he comes out and he mentions it he's he's like we're gonna talk about that but we're not gonna talk about it right now because he's you know and he basically says you know once i get going on that i'm not gonna be able to stop and then he tells like two jokes and then all of a sudden he goes, they nailed on his neck for eight minutes and 46 fucking seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just comes, it comes so out of left field. Yeah. yeah. He is, he's one of like the best, like you said, sort of public speakers on, he kind of draws people in, but then talks about like very serious stuff that probably people wouldn't normally listen to. Yeah, oh, this one here is just 27 minutes of dead tone serious, though. Most of it's no jokes. He, yeah. he does a really good job of personalizing it. Like, he brings it back to him because he's like, I think he knows people give a shit about him. Or is they, and he kind of points out, like, they shouldn't, but they do. So he kind of ties everything into his own personal life and stuff. And you're like, ah, so fucking weird. Yeah. Good times. Maybe I'll go watch that and depress myself right before I go to bed. It's a good idea. <laughs> it's not as bad as watching Requiem for a fucking dream. I can tell you that much. <laughs> hey, man. I just wanted to watch an old lady go through electroshock therapy. What's weird about that? Oh, man. The end, the end where you have to watch her collapse on TV. Mm-hmm. Ugh. The whole storyline was just, it was just depressing. And you're like, oh, and the, she walks into the doctor's office and you're like, oh, I know what these fuckers do. But people back then didn't know what these fuckers do. <laughs> it was so early on in like the whole, 
doctors shouldn't prescribe you so much stuff. I don't. I guess people just didn't know back then. That would have been really shocking to people at the time. I really like the uh, in that movie the refrain of where it shows everyone's ritual and it repeats it over and over and over again through the yeah. movie. And it's basically showing you it's like there's no difference. There's no difference between this old lady taking this speed and this dude shooting up heroin. There's no difference. Yeah, they really nail that. Yeah, it's. Oh, it's so depressing. I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's depressing. A <laughs> That's all, folks. <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.